This episode of Rewind of the Living Dead is brought to you by NightChannels.com, the only place on the internet to get that darker side for your t-shirts and hoodies. These are amazing, unique t-shirts and hoodie designs for occult, music, literature, and films. Of course, they got loads of amazing horror t-shirts. There's this Texas Chainsaw one that you gotta have. They got Alien, but they also got these deep cuts like Begotten. You know Begotten, right? Because you're a hardcore horror fan like I am, or Guinea Pig. It's like that across the entire site for their music, for the anime, for other kind of media categories. Such cool designs that you're not gonna find anywhere else. Go on there. There's no way you're not gonna get a t-shirt or hoodie. I guarantee you. Tons of color options. The t-shirts have two fabric options, classic 90s style, which is Gildan, or that great modern combed cotton Bella option. And the best part about all this, these are one-of-a-kind designs, and all of it has really great competitive prices. In fact, if you go there right now and you enter the code rewind at checkout, you get 13% off. That's right, 13% off at checkout if you let them know that Rewind of the Living Dead sent you. Uh, so when you're at the next convention or concert and someone asks, where'd you get that shirt? The only answer is at nightchannels.com. And be sure to visit them on Instagram at nightchannels as well. Um, that's N-I-G-H-T channels.com. Uh, and be sure at checkout to enter the code rewind to get your 13% off. Rewind of the Living Dead is a review show, so spoilers are ahead. with the ladies of symphony i'm so excited because i do and truth be told i do have a bit of a personal connection to this i joined clubhouse in early 2021 met a bunch of wonderful people in the horror community and something sprung out of this crazy little social media app that kind of caught fire during the pandemic i'm here with three filmmakers who got to be part of that it's so exciting i'm here with of course, uh, Kimberly Elizabeth, you might know her from a little podcast called Nightmare on Film Street, a huge podcast, actually a great horror podcast. Filmmaker Nicole Carlson is here with us today. And of course, Haley Bishop, you may have heard that name before, one of the stars of what is scientifically considered one of the scariest movies of all time, Host. Um, all three women, incredible filmmakers, storytellers, and they're here with us today on Rewind of the Living Dead. I'm so excited. Hello, everybody. Hello. Thank you for having us. Thank you for joining us. Now, this is really exciting. Symphony is about almost, we're getting close to almost two years in the making. To, uh, someone just take the reins right now and tell us about how you got brought in to this horror anthology and, uh, and your journey up to this point. Uh, I guess I'll kick off because I was a part of the um, the original group, and it and it happened just as just as random as all of us meeting on Clubhouse. Um, I got pulled into a room one night at like four in the morning, and everybody was just like a buzz, like there was just like this electricity going on, and they were brainstorming. They're like, "We're going to make a short film. We're going to do this. We're going to do a feature film. It's going to be an anthology." And uh, Sebastian, one of our producers at Screen Anthology, said to me, "Hey, Kimmy, like, do you have a short script? Can you direct a, a horror script?" And I was like, "Yes, yeah, yes, I can. I absolutely can." I did not have a script, uh, but I had one within a week, and uh, I, everybody in that room did. We all turned out scripts, and it just so happened that they were all really, really, really great. And what happened from this brainstorming session just like it 
became this snowball that was rolling down a hill that just could not stop. Like it was an idea that just became real. And I think that's because we all took it so seriously. And it was during that sweet spot in the pandemic where um, people didn't really have a whole lot going on and everything was shut down. And I think we were all starving to be creative. We were all hungry to do um, what we what we love to do and make stuff. And um, this really just fell in our laps at the perfect moment and everything just aligned. That's great. I, I got, um, just adding, I think Nicole and I got in, brought in later, um, very, very luckily, because uh, I, I wasn't in that initial room, but um, Judd Shepard, people might know from host was in that room and he messaged me and said, Hey, Sebastian, uh, this guy is gonna, he's funding short horror shorts. And I had, I used Jed a lot as like someone to read my scripts and I'd sent him a script and he's like, why don't you send him forever young? Um, because they're looking, I know you're looking for funding for that. And so I sent it to Sebastian and he said, this is great. Do you want to be a part of this, um, you know, this anthology? And I was like, well, yeah, tell me more. And then he was like, can you make the film in four weeks? And I was like, uh yes <laughs> you, you just gotta say yes hey exactly you just always say yes and figure it out later um and then luckily i actually zoomed with mark pritchard who um is all you know has limited edition in our anthology and he and i was kind of humming and awing and whether and i was going to do it and he was like you absolutely have to do that you would be in crazy not to this is like opportunities like this do not come around and these guys are legit um, and then Nicole, you had another, you kind of came in even later. Yeah. And a, another clubhouse connection, actually. Um, I had, um, it was like they said, uh, mid COVID I'm working full-time from home with my two kids home, uh, for zoom school. And I'm like, I gotta make something. <laughs> and so I'm thinking like, what do I do? So, um, I found a coach who taught me some, uh, basics about, uh, uh fundraising and did a crowdfund successfully and wrote a script and was um, about to go into production. And I heard Jason talking on Clubhouse, Jason Regasta. And he said, this wasn't the film, The Horror Room or anything about it. It was just a random um, you know, time that I heard him speaking. And he's like, I'm a San Francisco Bay Area horror filmmaker. And I'm like, oh my God, I need to talk to this man. I have so many questions because uh, this was my first attempt at you know special effects on set, um, dealing with blood and all that. And I just um, needed some expertise. And so I reached out and he spoke with me for about an hour on just Zoom and was so generous with his knowledge and um, really encouraging. And I asked, do you have any shoots coming up that I'd love to come and see what you're doing and PA or whatever you need on, on set? Uh, and then it was it happened to be his shoot, his overnight shoot for um, Symphony. And I got to meet his fantastic uh, blood effects person and um, special effects person and ask, their, ask questions. and. I was just alive and excited. It was the first time I'd been on a set in a while, um, kind of ran my butt off and uh, just was having a blast. And also, you know, talking when you're pitching everyone <laughs> because you, I was in that film fundraise, I could not stop talking about my film. And I remember a moment I was like, yeah, I have um, two births and a, and a love scene in my first directed film. So um, what am I doing to myself? And they're like, wait a minute tell me about this. <laughs> so that kind of like started the conversation and they asked about the script and on the way out, Sebastian's like, send me that script. And the rest is history. It was um, swept up in this amazing momentum and just so ecstatic to be a part of it. And this family has been so wonderful, just extremely supportive and just like, yeah, come on in. Like, you know, let's, let's get this going. I want to, I want to pick up on something you just said, Nicole, 
this was your first film that you ever shot? I've made like much smaller films. Okay. I did another 15 minute film like in my okay. late 20s. Um, but this was my first written, produced, directed by me, uh, helmed by myself. So really it's the labor of love and I'm just really excited about it. And I think for the burgeoning filmmakers that listen to this podcast, being in the right place at the right time can give you an incredible opportunity. And I, I remember this story. I remember Nicole's story. I'm so glad we kind of landed on that one last because the emphasis of like, hey, yeah, I, I like to do film. I mean, I found myself in that situation before. I love doing film and I want to do more short films and I just go help someone out on their film. And it springs into like, I'm actually now part of a feature film anthology, which is yeah. such an exciting thing. And I think in horror, it's like, it's one of those things where if you jump onto an anthology, it leads to so much more. And, uh, and it's just, it's one of those little lessons. I always like to pause and like say that to burgeoning filmmakers, like hear Nicole's story for a second there. She showed up, she helped out, and now she's part of a feature film. Like that's, that's how this could work. Um, it's, that's super exciting. And what, what else is very exciting and Damon and I um, truly do embrace um, diversity in storytelling. And I think horror is like truly kicking ass in diversity right now. Like we are getting such diverse stories. These are, these are three women-led uh, stories in this anthology. Uh, everybody chime in a little bit about bringing a, a woman's voice to horror, why it's so important. I, I couldn't think of three better people to, to school us on that a little bit. Uh, I'll, I'll go, I'll go first. Um, I think I speak mostly as a horror fan because that's kind of how I originated into the horror genre. And I have always wanted to create and creating has been something I've always been passionate about. And as a horror fan, um, I almost just want to wrap women in the sense that we're horror fans too. We've always liked this stuff and we should be just as much behind the camera as um, in front of it and watching it because uh, we're just as creepy and twisted as men are. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. I just say you, you could say there's a lot more fucked up ideas in our brains too for the amount of <laughs> things we consider and think about all the time. And I think there's a there's an element to that, you know, like like everything in the film industry, women have been underrepresented for years and years and years. And we finally, maybe in the last five years, we're starting to get a bit, bit more of a leg up. I mean, you could, I'd be, you know, like I barely could name five female directors that I know off the top of my head. Uh, and so I think there is this real need for for female voices um, within the horror community and within um, all genres, but just I think there's a fun element with uh, female directors, especially as you can, you can kind of see, even like with the three of our stories, they are quite, um, I'd say not necessarily they're there could only be told by uh, women, but the they're you know I think each individually obviously like pregnancy, like being a young woman in the youth, like a woman who's lot you know has passed away, like they're all um, stories that come specifically from the female perspective, and I think we each kind of have put a fun spin on it that maybe you wouldn't see if it was done by a man, um, but then just in general, I think that just the genre like more voices is is better. We um, Kimmy and I were talking about this earlier that. There, there's the horror is great for there being like this opportunity for creativity um, that most other genres don't necessarily allow because they do, you know, like within the horror world, you just want to be scared or you just want to be entertained. And the way someone does that uh, can can be so um, differentiating and 
and interesting and new and whatnot. And um, so the fact that that hasn't been like a female led space for a really long time, uh, the opportunity is there. And I think women will be coming now out of the woodworks. And and it's kind of the thing, like once you see some one person do it, who reminds you of yourself, like where that uh, representation is there, then I'm sure there's thousands of female filmmakers out there that are going to go like, well, okay, if they did it, then I can do it. And, and actually I've got this really weird thing that happened to me. Um, you know, we deal with a lot of fucked up things and sorry if I'm swearing, but that's okay. Yeah. We swear all the time on rewind. <laughs> right. but we deal with a lot of fucked up things, uh, in our lives that, uh, I'm sure it can be twisted and turned into all kinds of horror stories. Absolutely. I I've, um, sent out my script to some of my male friends that work in the in the field and they're like what is this like they don't understand why is pregnancy scary like they oh like, why isn't there more like attacking and blah blah blah. i'm like just wait till you see it you know it's it's about the woman's anxiety it's about this thing taking over your body and and my mom um, there's a character in it that's very much like oh i love pregnancy and just like going on and on about it there's some women that really love it and enjoy every moment of it but there's plenty of us that feel very scared of it um and once we find ourselves in that situation even if we're excited it's like there's a foot in my rib you know there's like it's a weird alien feeling and um especially for a first-time mother there's just so many things that are unexpected like sensations and um things that i felt like not only are we offering representation to other artists who want to come up after us but we're also representing women out that are watching and they can go oh i felt that too oh i'm not the only one oh i don't have to feel bad for not loving pregnancy and, be, and that doesn't mean i'm not a great mom i'm you know, it, it has a darkness and a very visceral quality to childbirth and to like having your body change like that. So it's been an honor to, you know, kind of use these stories that I have had happen to me or other women in my life kind of blend it up in a blender and spit it back out for other women to go. Yeah, hell yeah. You know, that's that's us on screen. And uh, there's a couple of dads out there, myself included, that when I saw your short, I was like, yes. Like it, pregnancy was incredibly difficult on my wife, yeah. incredibly difficult. And I was like, I love that there is an angle out there that goes, it can be downright horrific and challenging and scary. And then there are women in your life who are just like, I love pregnancy. It's so yeah. great. It's my favorite time. I love being pregnant. And my wife was just like, I want yes. like, I, like, what are you talking about? This, this is, this thing is trying to kill me. Um, I really loved that perspective. And it, you know, it even worked on a couple of us guys. It was like, yeah, I get it. Like, I totally, I totally get where she's coming from. Um, and let's, let's get into the segments as well. So Kimmy, um, something that really, kind of stuck out to me with your segment was sort of the idea of being invisible in a relationship. Am I picking up on that? I mean, is it, I felt like there was a big element of that in your segment. Yeah. Something I really played with, especially in the beginning was that um, it could have also been a breakup, but for the fact that um, the one character was a ghost and you, you don't learn that until she, um, she can't interact with the, the Alexa machine. Um, but the way it starts, I mean, that they're not keeping house, they're sleeping in different areas of the house. Um, they're not speaking and it, it, is it trouble in the marriage? Yes. But because one of them has died. <laughs> right. And Haley, um, I actually remember coming up to you. I, I was very lucky. I got to go to the Los Angeles premiere, meet all of you wonderful people. And uh, I remember coming up to you afterwards and, and just congratulating you and everyone else, but laughing because your segment, I hard relate. 
<laughs> and everyone's sh everyone in the chat right now is shaking their head like, yeah, there's something happens when you turn 30 where everyone becomes just desperately boring and dumb <laughs> and you don't want to deal with it. Please get into that a little bit, because I, I had to laugh when I came up to you. I was like, congratulations on like absolutely encapsulating that feeling. Yeah, it. Um, I mean, it's it's a film that is semi autobiographical in a way um, where I just really like, you know, I, was, I wrote it during the pandemic. And it was at a time when I was, you know, transitioning into my 30s and was a bit confused at like, well, do I, am I, you know, I feel young and cool still, but I'm also a lot of my friends are now buying houses and are moving into a different part of their life and the conversations are changing. I'm like, is this what I'm heading towards? Like, it was a very confusing time. And then that's also when uh, TikTok was really coming out and, and exploding and TikTok felt very much like a, a thing for teenagers at the time. And and just then seeing some of my friends who were in the stage of life that is houses and kids and and what you would consider to be uh, adult doing these dances, um, then there was the cynical side of me that thought, oh, this is so cringy. Like, why are we trying to be, you know, 15 again um, and, and go back in time? And then my judgy side was saying, well, what if there was a punishment for that, for, for not just staying in your lane or for not like accepting yourself growing up? Um, so it's kind of twofold of my own not accepting myself growing up, but then also judging people for wanting to stay young. And then I just thought that was so funny that like you could you could be punished if you were um, if you tried to join TikTok, uh, or and, and that just kind of became the birth of the film and how what how do I take that and then go to the extremes? Like how do I make a character who's like extremely judgmental of every one of her friends that has their life together and then really wants to go back to being youthful um, and then having that kind of backfire on her and this be careful what you wish for element um, because really like wanting to go back to be a teenager you know isn't as nice as we all probably remember um and especially for us millennials that grew up in the 2000s with some pretty terrible fashion you know it wasn't <laughs> at least if it was the 80s you'd have really good hair right <laughs> <laughs> i'd love that i love the care for what you wish for because yeah we all want to be a little bit younger but then you look back and you go oh maybe maybe with my now style but younger <laughs> I could definitely see a sequel where your character um, like is now very huge on TikTok and all the 16 year olds are like, okay, that's like old people stuff. Like, why are you on TikTok? That's so old. <laughs> Haley, while we're on the topic, uh, you had double duty. You didn't just write and direct. You had to act. And you're our first filmmaker that I get to ask that question to what that the idea of like i'm always obsessed and every filmmaker we've had on is i'm obsessed with how do you keep your, the tone of your movie going while you're directing each little bit but you not only have to take control of the tone of your movie you have to act in it you have to get into hair and makeup you have to get in front of the camera and do the takes like talk about that balancing act a little bit yeah i mean it was it was definitely challenging and 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 one that i if i didn't have such an amazing team i it couldn't have done um i'm really lucky that uh one i had uh tim wilrich who is both mine and mark's producer um who just from the second i zoomed with him we just got each other and we're on the same page with everything and kind of have the same producing style i mean i i this is my fourth film i've shot first one i've directed so definitely also having made three different films um, and been in the producer side of that helps to just I think just knowing how sets go and 
and feeling a bit more confident in, in that regard as having to be somewhat the leader on set when you're as a producer um, definitely helped. And then the the biggest thing was also my partner, um, Kieran Craig is a cinematographer and is my cinematographer. And so I had access to my cinematographer 24 seven, which, you know, most people do not get. And I highly recommend it. It's uh, <laughs> really helps dating one of your HODs to know uh, that you could figure things out. So we kind of got to plan the shoot before we did the shoot so so much where we were like okay what if this goes wrong um what do we do then and like okay we what if we don't have enough time for playback okay well you this is how i want it to go like i kind of gave him more or less instructions of like if not instructions i i we worked together to say like okay if the technical side isn't right then we'll redo a take and if you think the technical side went well but i don't you know then i'll watch playback and then we can look at the acting side and kind of worked from the camera side first just because we knew time wasn't um you know was against us and having edited films or been in the edited process you know that you can you know if if something's out of focus it's unusable even if the acting is incredible so kind of started that element um and then just from the acting side i guess uh because i i have a master's degree in acting i've done you know, worked in the industry a while and and doing host so um so close before that, which was a real like boot camp again in in acting. That side I feel a lot more comfortable with to just be able to and also like writing the script. I mean, you when you write it, you kind of know what's in your head of how you want it done. So I like I had been prepping the character for you know as long the second I put pen to paper. Um, so it, it's it's not it's a challenging situation to be in, but also it's really rewarding where when you do write something and you do and coming from an acting background where it's just like I got to do all three things that I really love doing where and got to be very selfish on set with like this is the colors I want and this is how I want this done and 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 you know maybe I'm you know an insane person for wanting to take all that control but I don't know what that says about me but uh <laughs> but it was it's really fun and I I I now um for any actors listening I really, really recommend, um, you know, any of my acting friends, if they're making a short film to to take on directing and acting as one, because they kind of go hand in hand a little bit. Um, and and you get the rewards at the end for, for having a film you're really, really proud of. And I think we're all really proud of you because that's a lot to put on your shoulders. <laughs> that is a lot of stuff. Kimmy, have you, had you directed or written any short films prior to this? Uh, this was my first time directing um but i i've been screenwriting so screenwriting has been something i've been kind of passionate about behind the scenes and i've been working away uh for a few years at it and i have a couple things like optioned and kind of going on behind the scenes but this is the first thing that's kind of come to fruition so it's my like very first baby that i'm releasing into the world and I, i'm very <laughs> i'm very stoked for it to say the least do you want to talk about those challenges because i'm sure there's a lot of like listeners who are very close to making their first film they're very close to getting there i feel like access has gotten to the point where like it's like now nah, if i want to do it i can do it talk about your the the initial challenge of just being on set and shooting yeah i think the best thing that you can do um is be aware that like know what you don't know and 
Uh, I That's really great. kind of accommodated for, you know, maybe being a little bit novice in, in other areas by being really well planned. I storyboarded every single shot because um, one, I, I didn't have a huge team. So uh, I wanted to make sure that there were resources for people if I wasn't able to ask a question. So I pasted literally my storyboards in every room we shot in. So if one of my actors was sitting and waiting because we were shooting with another actor in another room, they could literally go in and rehearse in the room we weren't using and literally see where we were going to be shooting, like what angle we were going to be shooting from, what, what areas of the room they were going to be interacting with. And it really worked out because we had a very short shoot and everybody felt Felt like they knew what was next. And uh, I think it made me look like I, I had been doing this longer than I, then this was actually my first day ever doing it because I, I just made sure I was really well planned. And so there wasn't a lot of um, decision-making the day of, it was just literally going through my checklist that I had, I had prepped myself. Um, so that's, that's all I can say is just be really well planned and uh, surround yourself with a really good team who knows what they're doing and lean on them. Don't be afraid to um, take their input. Like our, our actors, uh, Amelia and Michael brought so much to the table. And there were times when we were shooting scenes where I was giving them like no direction and they were like, am I doing okay? And I'm like, just keep doing what you're doing. This is fantastic. <laughs> um, and you just have to trust your people. Know what you don't know. That's so big. I think a lot of people think they have to pretend like they know everything on set. It's like, no, your head of departments, your cinematographer, your set designer, your actors, they bring so much and they can elevate what you're doing. They can make what you're doing that much better. I love that you said right off the right out of the gate and know what you don't know and be super prepared. Like two of the most important pieces of advice. You're you're a clear veteran right out of the gate, Kimmy. <laughs> like I love that. Nicole, you you had a different challenge with your story because it did have to kind of wrap into most anthologies have a, what's called a wraparound story, which kind of ties every separate story together. Were there challenges um, in terms of writing or structuring a story that you already had to kind of fit into the grander scheme of uh, the symphony anthology? Um no actually it wasn't that many changes that we had to do um just a couple of quick things in the the, the plot at the very end uh, and incorporating um an emt character that mm -hmm. will you'll see her throughout and um so keep an eye on that emt at the end um and uh yeah and and sebastian and michael sat down with me sebastian is a phenomenal screenwriter they're they're both incredible filmmakers so they spit spitballed a few things and one was like we could totally change it. And then another was like, or we could maybe tweak this and that and this and that. And then the ideas started flying. And I was just so extremely honored because coming into this, I didn't know much about them. And, you know, this was handing over this project that I've worked so hard on. Um, and, and there's a lot of faith that goes into that, but the, the way that they honored me and supported me and didn't like nix things, you know, like they're executive producers, they, as a first time director, you know, I was expecting a lot of pushback and the way that they really um, listened to our, our thoughts and our feelings on it, because these are things that have lived in our minds and our hearts for a while now. And we want to honor that initial story. And they, they were there for us. So very grateful for that. That's wonderful. I, it is it is a great crew. Again, I'm lucky. I kind of I, I have a little bit of skin in the game because I've been in those rooms talking with all those wonderful people. Um, let's let's get down to some fun stuff real quick. Let's talk about horror influences. Some of us started when we were super young. Some of us, you know, it happens at a, at a different time in life. Get, can we just go around the room 
and talk about our major horror influences. Sure. I, I can start really yeah. fast. Uh, in my hometown, I grew up in like the Tampa Bay area of Florida, which is its own weird horror nest. Yeah, I've been <laughs> to Tampa. Very scary place. <laughs> yeah, um, there was this really fun uh, horror host, uh, like in the local cable station, named Doctor Paul Bearer, who had a glass eye. He would dress like a pallbearer. He would you'd spy him around town in his hearse, and he was just like living the life. And he did like the kind of like intros, like. Um, uh, Elvira or something, you know, on these terrible, terrible old movies or horrible old movies, he'd call them with silly puns and stuff. And as a kid, it was like, what is this? I love this. And I just kind of fell in love with it and started watching these like old monster movies and stuff. And and I think that was definitely a major starter for me. Um, but yeah, I'll pass on to the other ladies. Um, I, I fell into horror kind of in the same way a lot of kids did with like those, um, those gateway things like, you know, like fiction wise, like R.L. Stein and Christopher Pike, but, uh, Tim Burton was a huge influence on me and still is because he found this way to, um, be dark and melancholic and, and inf infect everything he does with horror. I mean, he does a lot of family projects and a lot of comedies and dramas, and he's even done, you know, uh, big budget stuff like the Batman movies, but they all are innately his. And you could you could turn on your television and a Tim Burton movie be on and see like 36 frames of it and be like, oh, it's a Tim Burton movie. A Tim Burton movie is on. And that's something that I've always really um, wanted to emulate in, in the stuff that I do, that everything kind of has a brand and uh, looks like me and feels like me. And I, I want to establish you know something in that same sense that it can be all genres at once and kind of be everywhere and everything and still be kind of spooky and weird <laughs> absolutely i see i was probably um i kind of when i was little i remember like the goosebumps books being really like the you know burning through those as a kid and then uh, I had a moment, I think, when I was a teenager where I watched um, The Grudge going into, I remember taking the, uh, a blanket into the movie theater to watch The Grudge because I would get so scared in these films. And so I had to put it on. And for some reason, I think that was like the, the tipping point where I actually then was like, oh, I need to step back because the I, my brain cannot handle these anymore. Uh, the nightmares would ensue. And then it wasn't actually until more recently, I think, with Host, being reintroduced to um, to this genre. And then actually, no, I take that back. It was Get Out, um, Jordan Peele's Get Out when that came out and it really bridged the gap with core comedy um, there for me. That was like, wait a second, you can do these together? Like they, they don't have to just be these like terrifying psychological will mess you up for weeks at a time in your dreams. Um, and and realizing that like the, the genre had expanded so, so much. Um, and then I think just from then, and then doing host, uh, I kind of was like, re Rob used to play us um, clips from films before we do scenes to get us kind of in the spooky mood. And I was like, oh, this is really good. What movie is this? And then what was this? And then all of a sudden I was just getting like this flood of different films and kind of started my my journey back into it. And and then have now like tried to like go back and rewatch some of the classics like Hellraiser and and the ones that are, you know, have really stand the test of time, which not a lot of old movies can. Yeah. Um, but I think old horror really does where you kind of appreciate the the practicals effects they used to have to go to. So, so yeah, I'm kind of diving uh, back into it now um, as an adult, uh, having had to take a, a break. So my psychological <laughs> self <laughs> could handle it. 
Oh yeah, That's I a, had to rewatch um, Rosemary's Baby first before even thinking about writing mine for sure. <laughs> smart. Oh my God. Well, you know, and it just goes to show, you know, we have three very diverse women in this group right now that come from completely different backgrounds and experience levels. But the common denominator is that the horror community is such a wonderful, open and accepting community. And it's, and it's been incredible watching you guys blossom this, this whole, this whole anthology, you know, just a little bit of backstory for the listeners. I, I know these people, I met them at Comic-Con special edition back in November of 21. And I said, wow, what a, there's not a bad apple in the bunch genuinely like this is a great group of people i'm glad you guys found each other i'm so excited uh symphony is going to be available on digital and vod as of this recording super excited for all of you thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to rewind the living dead and all of our fans uh, you guys have a great rest of your day thank you